Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Ethan, your host. Uh, with me is Peter, who's combing his beard. Combing my mustache at my desk, just to keep all the flakes out of it. And uh, picking his ears is Jamie. Oh, I'm picking my ears. Why would you say that? I, but I, yes, I, and. Uh, okay, I am, actually. <laughs> Wait, we talked about this. You We're nailed that. You this. nailed that, dude. Yeah, yeah see, I knew, <laughs> I knew I should have given you notes at the top of the show to yes, and me more. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, here we are. We messed it up, and... Uh, it's we're too deep, we're too committed now to restart the episode, right? So right, right. I, yes, yeah. I, I say we just dig in our heels, you know, dig straight down. When in doubt, to dig quote, straight down. To quote the late great Alex Trebek, <laughs> "Fuck them." <laughs> uh, hi, everybody. Uh, this is the internet's number one fake history podcast, as voted by uh, we three here. Uh, and we're here yeah. today to talk about. It wasn't even a majority win. Like it, yeah. it, it wasn't a, a non a, a, like it was a majority win. Not not uh, what's it called when we all say yes? Uh, unanimous. 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 I, I almost said anonymous. It wasn't unanimous. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was a majority win because my vote counts for two because it was my idea for the podcast. Peter abstained, uh, and Jamie voted yeah. nay. So yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's first past the post, just like the Canadian political system is. <laughs> exactly. where we're a, we're a three party podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but only two, only only one party really counts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're here to talk about Magic the Gathering. Um, we're doing a dip back to some earlier episodes. Uh, we've talked about a girl named Jessica, thrice touched yeah. by infinity. Uh, we've talked about her brother. Uh, we've talked about a false goddess known appropriately as Corona, spelled differently, but uh, I pronounce it like that. So, uh, And we've also talked about Fantasy Greece in our Xenagos episode. Um, and like many Magic the Gathering episodes, I, uh, I find myself a little engrossed by the stories, uh, so much so that it's hard to tell them in one sitting. I, I, I've, I cherish them too much to want to cut significant portions out to make it shorter. Uh, so this is going to be a multi-parter, whether, whether my next few episodes are going to focus on this or, or we're going to intersperse it a bit. Um, this will take a couple episodes to cover everything. So I'm sorry for not putting a poll up on Patreon. I know I did that last time and said I would continue to do it. I just woke up on Sunday at like 11 o'clock and was like, Oh, I haven't put the poll up, but I have to get started writing, so I don't have time to put the poll up. <laughs> so, yeah. um, once my Dude. once these magic episodes are done, I'll, I'll go back to putting polls up on Patreon. Uh, maybe Jamie or Peter will take up the mantle one of these days. Back I whenever want to do it after Christmas, yeah, yeah. I, I'm always so last minute, so maybe if I can have more than one idea at once, but. Yeah, I should get organized. I remember back when we did the Corona episode, I was in Mexico, and the obvious joke was the beer, not the not the, the, <laughs> the pandemic. Yeah, uh, how times have changed. Simpler times, huh? Yeah. yeah. Uh, back to the, the only person we knew that was sick was Jamie and his intestinal amoebas. <laughs> oh my god, dude! 
for anyone who doesn't know what the hell I'm talking about because you're new here, welcome. Uh, we typically talk about lore of one kind of nerdy thing that we're interested in any given week. Uh, and the people who support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the loreboys sometimes, once to date, uh, get the opportunity to vote on uh, which nerdy thing we talk about. Uh, we're, like we're any good democracy, it only works when we remember to have elections. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Uh-oh, forgot to have an election. Looks like I'm president again. Uh, <laughs> uh, so towards the end of our episode uh, on Xenagos and uh, the plane of Theros, we spoke of a woman named Elspeth. Uh, so this oh, is gonna, yeah. this is the tricky part. Uh, Jamie and Peter, how much do you guys remember from an episode released six and a half months ago? I get, I think, um, you can tell us about the Theros episode, what you remember. You can tell us about magic in general. Let's, uh, let's start with Jamie. Just what do you remember about the magic gathering universe at all? Okay. Well, Elspeth's not named Elizabeth. It's Elspeth. Oh, true. That is, true. um, that's a good place. To start. I wouldn't have gotten that. That's a good thing you started with. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember that, like there's different colors to different magics, right? And like different, uh, like maybe green's nature and black is death and red is fire mm -hmm. and blue is different things. Mm -hmm. um, and to become a planeswalker, uh, you have to have like a spark within you and there needs to be some sort of traumatic or like boiling over point uh, thing in your life to be able to become a planeswalker and go between the different planes. Yeah. Uh, and there's different planes that have like different, themes i remember there's like eldritch horrors there's uh just one that's like an ocean that goes forever uh there's a bunch of different stuff like that yeah uh so if you get bullied hard enough in high school and you have the the spark inside you then you too can become a planeswalker and sit at the back of the calf with your stinky friends and play magic the gathering <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's, what, that's what it takes uh okay. peter do you want to add anything to that I remember the uh, chunks of the Xenagos episode because, again, when you were like, oh, yeah, back in May, I was like, when the fuck was May? And I'm realizing <laughs> it's uh, we're in the 300th day of February. I was like, oh, that, yeah. of course. Um, I went back and looked at the image and I was like, oh, yeah. So Xenagos was like a goat man, like a satyr. Yep, he was a satyr. Um, I can't remember his like alignment. I think it was green black, was it? Uh, I mean, he has a couple different forms. He has a red black. He has a green red. Is I think his uh, okay. most yeah. common oh. color combo. Fuck that up. And uh, he loves to party down. He was a yeah. big. He was he was a big partier. He liked. He had like. Didn't they have like an orgy glade or something where the, there's like infinite orgies, but someone there, there was always like an assassination or something like that. So they partied so hard that a god came down. I'm pretty sure something like that. Uh, you're thinking of a uh, Warhammer Slanesh. 40k. Yeah, the, yeah. the Eldar. The oh, Slanesh. fuck. Okay. <laughs> the creation of Slanesh, the Elder God. Um, yeah, so the satyrs did like to party. They liked to fuck. Um, but they were also, like, pretty sadistic and evil. So they would, like, lure humans in and then just, like, make them do, like, horribly degrading acts and treat them as slaves for, like, weeks on end. And then when they got bored of them, they would just wipe their memory and just, like, dump them in the forest somewhere. Right, uh, yeah. Yeah, Jamie. To, to Jamie's point, so there's five colors in magic. There's white, blue, uh, black, red, green. Uh, Jamie had black, right? It's death. Green is is kind of life, so nature is is pretty spot on. Red is kind of chaos. White is order, and blue is like intelligence or or the power of the mind. Um, and yeah, different planeswalkers have different kind of color identities based on what their personalities are like more than anything. Uh, yeah. So towards the, so yeah, uh, what's, what's important to know about the Magic the Gathering universe, if you don't want to go back and listen to our, our previous episodes, though, I encourage you to do so. The links will be in the description for this episode. Um, 
is planeswalkers can travel between dimensions because the Magic the Gathering universe takes place in a multiverse where every plane kind of has its own theme. Uh, it's just a convenient way for them to keep releasing new sets of like ancient Greece, uh, cowboy town, uh, you know, uh, knights and all that stuff. I don't know if there's ever ancient been a- Greek cowboys. I think that would be a gr- that'd be a great one, like <laughs> toga, like togas and ten gallon hats. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if, uh, I don't know if there's ever been a good cowboy set in Magic the Gathering, but there, there really ought to be. The clown plane where it's an infinite ball pit. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Oh, what a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so there's one other thing that I want to talk about, and we're going to go really far back into our Magic the Gathering episodes to our first episode. Do you guys remember the Phyrexians? Yes. Okay, so yeah. what what are Phyrexians, Peter? They are like like kind of like meat robots. They're not quite made by necromancers, but they're made by some kind of cursed power where they're like a smashed together pile of like body parts upgraded with like mechanical things they look very like hr geiger so there's a lot of like very long parts of bodies that shouldn't quite be that long and and te- like mechanical antennas and claws and shit like that they're very the phyrexian horrors right they're they're yeah. just like like leftover meat and scrap metal all thrown together by what i assume is a crazy man yeah ex- <laughs> exactly it's very mary shelley if dr frankenstein wasn't a doctor but he owned a scrapyard essentially right yeah uh so they're they're a form of biomechanical life that serves as an antagonistic force in magic the gathering they were created by the villain yogmoth as he treated thran which is a race of people afflicted by a terminal disease known as phthisis uh, as a result of many factors but mostly due to their poverty and the fact that they lived under the city where all the radiation leaked down to so this is kind of funny i remember the title of that episode about urza uh is yogmoth and yams mm-hmm. despite the fact we did that like three years ago now yeah. and i only remember because some guy put in a request to have that on merch so i had to go back and get the picture <laughs> yeah. yeah we were like we were trying to do some math and this is I, what we think is our 169th episode so nice nice, nice. uh yeah that was actually i was actually going to mention that pete if you guys want to go back and listen to it it's yogmoth and yams was the subtitle or a title of the episode depending on where you're at if you're on the lore boys it's yogmoth and yams is the title uh if you're on your podcasting app it's probably magic the gathering urza lore um but if you if you look that up and you want to hear more about the thran and the uh phyrexians that's a good place to start we'll talk a bit about them they're kind of just they kind of just set things in motion for this episode more than anything uh yeah so just keep in mind they're more machine than human they were sweeping through the planescape like a plague they were conquering entire dimensions in their fell invasions as a black tide seeping over the shore uh so it is in one of those worlds conquered by the phyrexians that the story of elspeth begins uh little is known about her original home the world remains unnamed and lost beneath beneath the phyrexian invasions uh her life immediately prior to her ascension uh, to a planeswalker was spent as a prisoner, along with many other many other uh, people of her home, locked tightly away and tortured. In this prison, the Phyrexians of her homeworld tended to those of their numbers they felt insane. Elspeth and the other humans of, of her world were used as a distraction meant to soothe the insanity of the flawed Phyrexians. So... Uh, your home, your home's been taken over by a bunch of, you know, half meat, half machine Frankensteinian monsters. Uh, and some of them, even for Frankensteinian monster standards are like a little nuts, a little crazy. So they get put in these asylums and they, they decide to take you and just like put you in the cells with these things as kind of like a, oh, this will like distract them and just like keep them sedated basically. 
it's the therapy animal for a Phyrexian, basically. Is yeah, it, exactly. It's one of the kidnapped locals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for a Phyrexian horror. So that's... Uh, yeah. It seems more like a rawhide bone in a fucking dog kennel, dude. You're yeah. messed up in there. I'm just imagining, like, some tribesman, but instead of having, like, a fur vest on, it's just got one of those, like, fluorescent vests on that just says, please do not touch me, I am nervous. Like yeah. the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the help animal thing. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, with the... Like the mirror, like the rod, the handle on the back. Yeah, of it, yeah, so exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so she was 13 when her Planeswalker Spark was triggered, uh, held hostage by horrible half-mechanical creatures completely alien to her, used as a plaything for the most deranged of them. It was only a matter of time before she left that place. One day, as one Phyrexian warden approached, her body cast a, p- a spell powerful enough to take her from there. Uh, so like Jamie said, this was her, her magic puberty. Uh, where there was a, uh, an event traumatic enough that she uh, ignited her Planeswalker Spark and found the ability to travel between dimensions. Uh, it seems uh, totally appropriate. This is, this is, <laughs> I, I think this is adequate bullying for her Planeswalker Spark. <laughs> yeah, right. she, she's fire, right? There's, no, she's, no, she's Chandra. You're, you're, I think you're thinking of Chandra Nalar, yeah. Uh, okay. uh, this, uh, this is Elspeth. Um, I don't think she's a member of the Gatewatch or ever has been, but I could be wrong about that. So don't quote me on it, listeners. Uh, or do uh, do quote me on it in the Discord and call me an idiot and tell me I'm wrong like you guys always do whenever <laughs> right. I, I do an episode. We need to be quoted more. I want to see us in some articles. So please quote us on everything. <laughs> <laughs> Misquoted, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Out uh, of context only. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of out of context quotes, so I'll second that. And my vote counts for two, so that's a majority. It's true. it's true. Damn this electoral system. I uh, can't believe we agreed to this. <laughs> uh, so, so like I said, only 13 at the time, she jumped to the plane of Theros. So uh, ancient Greece, uh, fantasy Greece. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, where she saw an existence for maybe the first time free of Phyrexians. Um, it's not clear if, or it wasn't clear to me while researching, if she knew she was there during the invasion or she was kind of born in this hell world already taken over by the Phyrexians, you know? Okay. Um, so uh, that's unclear, but... Uh, if she doesn't even know the name of her planet, I would assume the planet had already been taken over. Yeah. Because if she was young enough to, like... Unless she was, like, a, an actual infant. Yeah. So it, You'd think that she'd know, like, oh, yeah, this was my address yeah. in on this planet before the alien horrors showed up, right? Whether... Um, whether she, she'd actually seen it and didn't remember or she'd never seen a world free of Phyrexians, uh, she yeah. suddenly found one in a, you know, a world of like buff guys in togas uh, all greased up when she got here. So she was like, Pretty hey. good. She was like, ah, it's horrifying. I would have <laughs> taken some buff Phyrexians in togas, but this is even better. <laughs> Ew, I was 13, I was playing GameCube. It really puts things into perspective, <laughs> huh? Right. The most yeah. beautiful man I've ever seen, totally free of rusty pipes coming in and out of his muscles. <laughs> How strange. Where do you put the oil? Uh, right. <laughs> right in here. Um, so she wouldn't remain on Theros long, however, uh, as she would spend the next years of her life jumping between planes, searching for somewhere to set roots, until she finally stumbled across Bant, a shard of Alara. So um, if, if for the listeners who, are, who have better memories than you guys about past episodes and for the listeners who have just gone back and listened to uh, maybe our Xenoghost episode, uh, Elspeth plays a major part in the end of that episode. When Xenoghost is invading Theros, Elspeth is yeah. one of the ones defending it. So uh, she, the first plane she goes to is Theros and she'll get back there eventually, but she's going to spend a significant portion of her time on this world called Bant. 
uh, and it, it is one of a shard of Alara. So let's talk about Alara and what and what that is. Uh, it was a plane in the multiverse like any other, teeming with life and mana f- and flourishing ancient civilizations. Until one day, some upstart planeswalker decided to frack the dang thing for magic. So uh, the identity of this planeswalker is unknown, but some planeswalker shows up one day uh, incredibly powerful and decides to just try and drain the plane's mana from it. Like, just try and take all the mana out of it. And mana, mana is... Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, uh, I drink your mana. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah. Uh, mana in, in Magic the Gathering, because we didn't say this at the beginning, is tied to land, so it's tied to the realm that it, it comes from. So, mountains are red mana, forests are green mana, you know, swamps are black mana, because they kind of represent the, the ideal behind them. So uh, this guy's like pulling mana out of the land and he ends up shattering something deep in its metaphysical structure, causing it to undergo a radical planar refraction. Uh, oh, you thought the tap water catching fire was a bad sign. Just wait till you get to the refraction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so for, the, for, for those of us who, um, who flunked out of Physics 101, uh, radical planar refraction when, when discussing a, a plane of Magic the Gathering uh, means it breaks into shards along its mana lines, diffusing it into component parts like refracted in a prism uh so isaac newton passing light through a crystal it breaks into five different colors one light becomes five lights that's weird huh uh right the, yeah. the, the plane did the same thing so it split into five shards called the shards of alara uh one of which was banned and all of them tied to specific manas but none of them having all five mana okay I was watching an Isaac Newton documentary a couple of days ago about like the shady alchemy stuff that he used to do, <laughs> where he like combine different metals to hopefully make the philosopher's stone. Yeah, trying to make gold, yeah. drank a lot of mercury, trying to make gold. <laughs> yeah, he did a lot for science, but I guess I guess you gotta like if you throw a lot of darts, some of them are gonna miss, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Some yeah. of those darts are gonna land on getting drunk on mercury. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real scattershot approach to science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so he created calculus in like a, a pandemic. Yeah. So what? I wonder what's gonna. What are we gonna do with our pandemic? He We're created, gonna talk about Magic the Gathering. He created. <laughs> he, he created one virgin type of calculus. Okay, Leibniz created integral calculus, which is the Chad calculus. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Uh, Chad calculus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so whoever, whatever planeswalker decided to frack this plane and steal all its magic and break it up into five different shards, um, I guess was satisfied with the work that he did and said, well, that's a wrap and just planeswalked out of there never to be heard of again. You know, there's definitely theories about who did it. Maybe it was Yogmoth. Maybe it was a more recent upstart like Nicol Bolas. Yeah, that would be my guess. Who knows? You know, they're both, uh, they're both tremendously evil and they've both done tremendously evil things. And this might be one of them, but there's no proof of it either way. Tell the investors we ruined this dimension in record time. Oh, boy. <laughs> Pops fucking champagne. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they go to the plane of infinite white space with an inverted black pyramid and uh, yeah. <laughs> pop a bottle of champagne. <laughs> uh, so the Shards of Alara, uh, as they were known, separated into five different configurations based on the most prolific mana in them, like I said. Uh, the Shards were as followed. Uh, so I'm going to read three colors because they're all three colored. Um, okay. It's going to be the primary color, so the most dominant uh, color on the plane uh, followed by the two uh, the two kind of other colors that affect the plane but not nearly as much so bant okay. where elspeth found herself uh was white green and blue so primarily order partially life and partially you know thoughtful intellect okay. uh esper that, that sounds like a nice place 
a bant yeah it was it was one of the one of the better ones for sure compared to say grixis but uh esper was blue white and black uh grisper grixis sorry was black blue and red uh jund was red black green and naya was green red white uh naya would just be i thought that would be blue just because of the bottled water but that was just <laughs> a dumb thought in my head that should never have come out of my yeah. mouth. Especially yeah. considering I had already read the blue one as Esper, so... <laughs> yeah, that's what I was like, blue? <laughs> you know, Evian, Evian, if you read it backwards, it says naive. Oh, I think it says naive. Just tap water. We've been over this before. <laughs> don't buy bottled water. And we've been over this before. Don't tell the Americans. They don't know that. Oh, yeah. Fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they exist. So th- these five these five shards existed in separate forms, but would eventually rejoin an event known as the Conflux, which would begin shortly after Elspeth arrived on the plane. Uh, so we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, we're really just going to talk about Bant. Uh, the other four planes all have really cool stories. I think my next episode will maybe focus on. It'll focus on at least Naya. It might focus on other uh, shards as well. But for now, we're just going to talk about Bant this episode. And this one is white, blue, green, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, Paladin, a little bit of gardening, some light reading. Like, it sounds like a really nice place. Pretty pretty much exactly that. So uh, okay. she finds herself on Bant. It was considered a haven of order, honor, and community. Traditions on Bant had thrived, and they were protected by innumerable, innumerable knightly orders, warrior angels, and a caste system designed to support the good of the many over the good of the few. Um, sounds fucking wild. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so without the magic of death and chaos there to threaten convention and stability, and with angels flying as tireless symbols of peace and justice, its community traditions have become codified into law. Its monks study the words of ancient prayers, its mages and clerics practice magic of healing, prevention, protection, and growth, its druids and laborers care for the rolling fields, bringing nourishment to the population, and its knights practice the codes and forms of martial perfection, weighed down by the medallions of honor and patronage known as sigils. Angels rule the realm with benevolence and grace, humans and the avon, uh, bird people, uh, I've seen them before. They're pretty cool. Yeah. Humans in Avon resolve their conflicts with ritualized combat. Uh, duty and honor are the bedrock of this kingdom of light. So, Well, you know what? Whoever made all the medals, it was definitely the humans because they wanted the bird people to not be able to fly as good when they were fighting yeah, them. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly. This, uh, uh, I present to you this medal. This is just a ball and chain. <laughs> <laughs> it's tradition, wear it. Try it on. Uh, <laughs> it's a little tight around my bird, like my, like my swan neck, but it's like way too. It just like comes off. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, it's I like to me, it's no surprise that Elspeth clicked so well with this plane because her life up to this point had been literal chaos. Like she grew up in a cell as a plaything for completely alien monsters and the more deranged of those alien monsters, presumably. Um, and from there, she was just planeswalking from place to place, like probably always defending herself from danger with like various spells and like learning how to control her magic. And then finds this place where it's like, no, no, everything's good here. Like we care about people, you know, you could be a knight, you could be a monk, you could do whatever you want. You know, there's always food. The good of the many is always taken care of. And there's like sick ass angels that care about us that, that rule this place. So she was probably just like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but what's the catch? Hmm? Uh, it is technically a timeshare band, so you gotta you have to sign, and it's really hard to get out of it. Uh, whenever you, uh-huh. you eventually want to leave, <laughs> rather unfortunate. But uh, so in band, Elspeth found everything that was missing from her life: community, love, and most importantly, peace. At sixteen, she was training and eager to become a knight of band. 
She settled in the nation of Valoran, and at 17, she began her training as a squire. In a short three years, she was knighted, younger than almost anyone. Her fellow knights had no knowledge of her ability to planeswalk or of her origins. She kept the nature of her origin and ability secret, excuse me, and allayed any, <laughs> any questions concerning her birth, birthplace, only admitted to not being from Valoran. Oh. So she's like, uh, they're like, so, uh, Elspeth, uh, did pretty good on the KATs there. Um, you know, <laughs> just wondering, uh, where, what's your deal? Like, where are you from? You just like showed up one day and you were like a sick ass knight who could do like really cool things. And she's like, oh, uh, not here. Yeah. Um, uh, next town over. Uh, which, which, which one? Uh, I got a brother in the next town over. Yeah, yeah. See, so he says it's nice. You might know him. Do you know him? <laughs> no. Do, do you know uh, Jim, Jimothy Crackett? Uh, no. He's a falcon like me. You can't miss him. Oh, I know, I know him. I, oh, he he probably wouldn't know me though. Uh, I know, I know of him. I guess you could say he's a pretty popular bird, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> but me, I, I, you know, when I was over there, I was I was pretty quiet. I, I tended to not, you know, get out too much. But I had strict parents, you know. One of them was insane. <laughs> he put, used me as a plaything, but uh, <laughs> slowly drifts off. <laughs> so, yeah, you get the, the semi-transparent Vietnam flashback, but it's all instead of helicopters, it's like Phyrexian horrors. <laughs> no, exactly. CCR still exists yeah, yeah. in this. I don't think it was down on the corner that was yeah, playing in Vietnam. Di- different, different song than I was thinking Peter was talking about, but uh, yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought it there. Uh, Lore Boys Canon down on the corner is the Vietnam song now. Uh, oh, in this plane though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, the wartime trauma song is still CCR, but it's down on the corner this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, she's she's training as a knight. She's having a good time. And then, you know, we got to have conflict. The story doesn't end here. So one day, two years after she had last used her abilities, her peaceful idol was shattered when the broken body of a planeswalker crashed down near her outpost. The planeswalker was a Johnny Goldmane, a one-eyed Leonin planeswalker from the Shard of Naya. So, uh, Leonin is, uh, lion people, not, okay. ca- not cat people because those are their, those are their own thing. And then Leonin are specifically lion people. Uh, what are they lying about? You know? Uh, hey. <laughs> um, so he's, he's one eyed, he's a planeswalker. He's one of the more popular ones. He is definitely in the Gatewatch, uh, and he does some, some pretty cool things. I think the next episode we'll talk about him a lot more. Um, he's oh, with- cause he wanted to do Naya. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, I wanted to do Naya because I wanted to talk about Ajani more than anything. Um, okay. okay. He plays a pretty big part, and, and where Elspeth's story goes, uh, it's not going to make sense after a bit to not know who Ajani is. So uh, we'll talk, okay. talk about him eventually. We'll talk about him a bit this episode. It's just important for you guys to know that he was, like, friendly. Uh, Elspeth sensed the kindred spirit in him, uh, realizing that he was a planeswalker because he, he planeswalked from uh, Naya to uh, Bant. So this is the first other planeswalk that uh, Elspeth has really met. They can they can detect the planeswalker spark in others uh, in other planeswalkers, can't they? Like they have like a little some sort of like mental connection, do they, they not? They all they all secrete pheromones of some sort. Uh, I'm not. Yes. I'm, I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure if that's like innate or if, you know. I mean, she saw him crashing down, presumably right, yeah. from outside of a like a, a planar gate or whatever she uses. Like in right. some in something of like that, she would have seen something similar. It's possible that they can kind of sense it, but I, I don't know if I've ever read that or said that. So, okay, Elspeth actually just uh, emits a low rumbling sound that only other planeswalkers can hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the the P note, right? Um, yes, <laughs> it's the the brown note. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 
so Elspeth, sensing a kindred spirit in a fellow planeswalker, she tries to convince Ajani to remain on Bant. They spend some time together, uh, and they get along, and he kind of tells her about Naya, and she tells him about Bant, uh, and he warns her about this coming conflux uh, and how, you know, uh, all the realms are going to be threatened. And, and Elspeth says, like, well, you should stay here, and we should protect Bant because... You know, your plane has all these problems, whereas Bant is this perfect haven where nothing ever goes wrong. And, you know, we have these angels protecting us. Um, Johnny refuses. He says, I got to go. I got to go home. I got to go to protect my world. And he, he leaves her with a warning that their worlds were closer than Elspeth believes because she's obviously traveled between planes before. But I, I don't think it's ever stated that she's ever been to another uh, shard of Alara. OK, so he's like, maybe, you know, this plane isn't as far as some of the other planes that you visited. Uh, and with the conflicts coming, it's getting closer every day. OK. So what's the conflux? It's just that everything's moving towards each other. Yeah. So we're gonna, we're going to kind of get into the conflux now, but it's it's uh, all all the shards are rejoining basically, and and what that's going to mean for for the realm itself. Okay. okay. Yeah. The planeswalker bungee cords are at their tautest and are snapping back to reassemble the. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. I, I want those two those little magnet balls of just like are all across the table and they're all going to like clump up together and. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I watched I watched an interesting video uh, from Veritasium on on what what we could do if an asteroid was going to collide with Earth, um, and they're like, oh, nuking it probably doesn't work because you'd blow it up and then all the pieces would probably reform before they hit before they reached Earth. Like, oh shit! Gra- gravity would just bring them all back in together before they reached Earth. And I'm like, hmm, damn, huh? <laughs> <laughs> eat your heart out! Eat your heart out, Bruce Willis. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we just gotta get a little rocket ship on the bottom of earth and speed up our our, our, our trip around the sun a little <laughs> yeah. bit so one of one of the plans was to to put a little rocket ship on the asteroid i like that you went for put a, a little rocket ship on earth instead yep. just, just just build a just build a rocket upside down you idiots there is yeah. a movie not to get too off tracker there's a movie called wandering in which the sun is expanding and then all the world governments just build rockets on one side of the earth to fly <laughs> it away from the sun. Yeah. Or no, if, if it's going to like just narrowly hit us, we just get all the people to go on one side and we all jump at once. Now, because yeah. to, um, this, this plane, which has totally left my head. Oh, Bant yeah. is, is kind of like ours, especially with the soundtrack in the Bant version of Armageddon where they send their uh, Angel Bruce Willis to the asteroid. Mm-hmm. Which Aerosmith song is playing instead of "I Don't Want to Miss a Thing"? Uh, <laughs> love, in an ele- love in an elevator. Okay, uh, there we go. Uh, but I was going to say "Living elevator. on a Prayer," but <laughs> that's Bon Jovi. <laughs> <laughs> Halfway there, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, she's troubled by his words, by Johnny's words. Elspeth is like, "Oh, you know, he gave me this dire warning. Maybe I should heed it. I don't know. He seemed kind of wise." Um, she also was hearing some rumors which had been spreading in Valoran. Uh, Elspeth sets out in search of trouble. After some time, she finds uh, what she'd feared, a Grixis incursion zone. Okay, Jamie, uh, what's the primary color of Grixis? Grixine. <laughs> Green. Green. <laughs> uh, it's black. black. It's black. Yeah. Uh, this is the black, red, blue. Uh, so kind of more one of the more evil ones, probably the most evil one. Uh, now, would this be like only because they're called shards are do the planes have established corners where she would find like a corner of some sort of evil swamp like poking through the dimension or yeah i think a lot of magic the gathering planes adhere to a flat earth um 
So th- this would just be like a, you'd eventually reach an edge of Bant, and it would just be like contained in, in its crystalline structure. They're often okay. de- they're often depicted on, in card art as actual like crystals with like little worlds inside them. Oh, okay, I've seen that before. Yeah, they're like um, snow globes basically yeah. with a little thing on the inside. Yeah, and you, you guys <clears throat> might remember the same thing did kind of happen to Dominaria for a bit where it got split up. This this isn't the first plane that this has happened to. Okay, uh, so it seems to be a, a running theme that these crystals have power to contain worlds. So Grexus is black, red, and blue, which means it's death, chaos, and ma- like magic abilities. Yeah, it's death, chaos, and like intelligence. So like cunning, I guess, would be the probably the most appropriate one for Grixis. Um, cunning chaos is is a scary thought. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of the it's the war the war fueledest one. Um, we'll talk a bit about who's leading it uh, in a, in a little bit, but. Oh yeah, cunning and death would would be like military commanders and submersion and shit, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, traditionally, the most military commander is, uh, color scheme is is red white, which is a, a clan called Boros uh, because it's order and then like ferocity is I guess mm. where it comes from. Um, but yeah, well, all we need to know for now is that uh, she goes to this place, she finds there's a Grixis incursion, so there's there's these enemies uh, wielding this magic that she's never seen before. Um, invading her home, and and the conflicts had had begun for her. Uh, so she rushes back to the castle she served. Uh, she takes part in a disastrous defense of her home. Her squire, uh, 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 Avon named Aaron, um, fell to the enemy, and something in Elspeth finally broke. Seeing the first place she'd ever felt safe, falling once more to a brutal, death-aspected enemy, she felt her magic brimming inside her. So Phyrexians are very black-aspected. Most of them are, are just plain black, some black-blue, uh, but typically black. Uh, so she sees this all happening once more, and she's like, well, you know what? I've been hiding the fact that I'm a superhero, but maybe it's time to bust it out, huh? Now that now that my squire is dead, maybe now's the time to bust it out. Yeah, never save anybody. It's always revenge. That's the best <laughs> time to use your superpowers. Yeah. Uh, so casting aside the rules of civil warfare her new home had taught her to cherish, Elspeth unleashed her full power, devastating her enemies and returning Aaron to life. So thankfully she uh, is white and she's uh, sometimes green, but she was just able to bring him back to life by putting out enough planeswalker juice inside of him, I guess. Uh, all cool. the... <laughs> all the all, <laughs> it's magic. I mean, what do you want from me? Uh, yeah, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> the game's called fucking magic. She brought him back from the dead. Who cares? Uh, yeah. I, I meant... I meant I didn't mean it's Magic the Gathering. I meant, like, hey, she's using magic. Like, we could say whatever works, works, because it's magic, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. No, I, I just meant, like, the entire context of this is something called Magic the Gathering. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah. A, a fun fact <laughs> about why it's called Magic the Gathering, and I heard this on uh, an episode of 99PI. Um, it's called Magic the Gathering because they knew they'd never get the copyright if they ca- just called it Magic. Oh. So they added oh. the Gathering so they could actually have a copyright on it. Interesting. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, but that's why we filed a copyright recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that does make sense. <laughs> that's why we're Lore Boys, the number one fake history podcast yeah, on exactly. the internet. Right? Lore Boys, yeah. the Gathering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not in 2020 though. Feels bad. Um, um, I'm trying to think here. So, like, black aspected death is necromancy, but raising somebody from the dead using angelic powers somehow think necromancy. So it's not black, right? basically yeah, yeah I, I don't know maybe maybe she did pull from the the magic that was kind of in the air like i said she kind of in this moment like disregarded everything she'd been taught on bant and all the feelings that she'd learned to control here she can control all the the colors of of magic like any planeswalker could 
okay. It's, it's just it's more based on on what their personality is. They have a much stronger connection to certain colors. It seems seems to be how it works because planeswalkers will change colors based on sets too. So it's more just oh, like where okay. they are in the story. They might become a different color or a different color combo at any given point. Okay. Like, like I said, okay. Elspeth, ninety nine percent of the time is white. I think she's been printed white green before, um, but she's typically yeah. just pure white. But okay. then her pet goldfish dies in the next expansion, and she's black red. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so she she devastates the enemies by unleashing you know powerful magic, brings Aaron back to life via sunbeams. Let's not get into it too much. Uh, and all the members of the castle looked at, <laughs> looked at her with newfound respect and admiration. What she felt in their eyes uh, wasn't ex- uh, wasn't admiration, though. She felt uh, expectation and accusation instead. So she kind of felt guilty. She felt like she had betrayed them by unleashing these powers and, and devastating the enemies in a way that wasn't true to the bad way, even though all the soldiers were like, shit, she saved our life, and that was fucking cool, dude. <laughs> <laughs> They're all like, we're knights, but that was real cool. Uh, so she strips herself of all her sigils. She takes off the ball and chain. She says, I'm not worthy of this and just clangs it onto the ground. And her squire, Aaron picks it up and straps it on, uh, robbing him of <laughs> himself of the gift of flight, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> now, wouldn't these people try and talk her out of this? Just like, Hey, you did a really good job. No, I lost control. That's the least order thing I've ever done. I was like, yeah, but it really, really helps. Please come back. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, in a way, um, she okay. feels that her sigils are, are, t- too heavy they're they're you know the, the the guilt of them it just reminds her of what she did and she feels like she lost control which she didn't like um mm. but to your point peter her position is not so easily discarded it's you know you don't get to quit the military by just taking off all your symbols you got to go through a whole court martial process <laughs> <laughs> so uh she isn't able to just give it up um people still respect her maybe respect her now more than ever so people are still going to listen to her orders even if she's not wearing the fancy buttons um, and as incursions keep cropping up across Bant, so um, Grixis keeps incurring, uh, there's Esper incursions now, uh, so the conflict is happening faster, and there's more kind of break-ins by these other armies uh, across the plains. Uh, she leads a platoon under uh, the Knight General Rafik during the Battle of Jest to drive the invading Esper forces away. Uh, but in that battle, she's brought low by her own ally, who's being mind-controlled by an Esper mage. Um, so she's, oh, okay. she's wounded pretty severely because it was somebody she trusted, but that person was actually being mind controlled, uh, because that's what blue does. And Esper is Jamie. Esper is blue. Blue. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, <laughs> I wasn't sure what you were fishing for there. <laughs> if it was the color or like yeah. a, a history. S blue. Um, okay. that's how you remember. Uh, yeah, I, I, as a World of Warcraft player, I, I like to mind control people off of boats right as we're about to leave zones. So they die of fatigue uh, <laughs> and they have to then ha- resurrect themselves and wait five minutes for the next boat. <laughs> Still doing that, eh? No, it's, it's, it never gets old. <laughs> Always griefing. So uh, one of her colleagues was mind controlled and then just went like whatever, thwacked her on the back of the head while she wasn't looking sort of thing from behind enemy lines yeah she was standing just on like just next to a docked boat and uh somebody mind controlled somebody on a boat and then just walked him off and he landed on her and he just kind of like gave her like a real bad crink in her neck you know oh okay yeah, yeah. collapsed onto her so yeah. okay uh so as a result of her injuries she's no longer allowed to fight on the front lo- front lines they're like look we know you're a superhero and capable of unleashing terrible destruction uh at a whim but uh no more frontline action for you okay uh, we know you were able to resurrect that person from the dead, 
but uh, you're presumably not able to heal yourself, so no more no more fighting for you. That was going to be my follow-up question. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's unclear. Maybe it's like, oh, the guy had a magic blade that dealt magic damage that prevented healing, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the beautiful thing about using magic in your in your stories and your IPs is you could just say anything happens and then say it was magic that it happened, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So she's not allowed to fight anymore, but she's not willing to just you know do nothing during the during the fight. So she takes part in the interrogation. She becomes the the torturer, I guess you could say. Um, no, it's it's not it's not ever stated that she tortures people, but she is interrogating people and you know meeting with the the prisoners of war and saying like what's going on. She's trying to find out who had orchestrated the war on Bant by its neighbors. She's trying to figure out why people are invading. You know, like hey, you know the shards came together. That's cool. Why are you guys here with swords? Uh, <laughs> yeah, doesn't fair. Would the conflux not affect the other places the same way? If the shards are like all kind of poking through other or everybody just bant bant uh i so they're all poking through each other for sure but there does seem to be a concentrated effort to invade bant and and we'll get into a bit of why maybe we'll get into a bit more of why next episode but we'll get we'll we'll touch on on who is behind the whole thing who she eventually finds out uh is somebody named malfagor which uh, if you couldn't guess by the name an evil fucking name is it is a villain yeah yeah <laughs> i'm malfagor these bird men yeah, yeah i i'm malfagor the tailor hmm, what can i do for you <laughs> like, it's just not, not how it works you know instead he's a rare hybrid beast a dragon with a demonic soul from the shard of alara known as grixis um so cool. yeah real rude dude not a tailor uh he was a torturer in his own time uh he was ancient he existed before the sundering of Alara, so he was there when it was all one plane, was there when it all broke up, and is now there when it's all coming back together, you know? So he's really gone full circle here. What's uh, his opinion on fossil fuels? Is he possibly <laughs> uh, a problem? Uh, like, uh, maybe he had caused this problem in the first place? He, he's pro. He's, he's very much a boomer. Uh, oh, okay, you know. okay. Well, he That's believe- what powers his flame breath, actually, is he, <laughs> he drains it from planets and releases oh. his CO2 back <laughs> he, into the... He just, yeah. he just has smog breath. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he, he, I mean, he's, he's a boomer. He, he probably believes in progress, you know? He believes in, in getting the economy going again. That's, what, oh, that's yeah. what's important, you know what I mean? I don't care how many shards of Valera we have to burn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he's really old he was, he's been around for a long time uh during his time before the sundering he would uh occupy himself by uh slaying angels so he, he killed the archangel asha we, we won't get into but archangel is important that's a that's a big angel you know uh he was thought to be killed uh on bant but uh he wasn't he survived he had just been exiled to grixis and he'd just been uh Biding his time there, he he rose to power on Grixis. You know, people were like, "Well, you're half you're you're a dragon with a demon soul, so we're gonna do what you say because we're scared of you, frankly." And you hunt angels for sport, which is <laughs> a lot of levels are very fucked up. <laughs> uh, so he builds a prison out of the bones of his victims. He uh, would kidnap fledgling planeswalkers and torture them, hoping they would be forced to planeswalk just to avoid death. Um, in doing so, he was hoping to understand the magic that allowed them to traverse the worlds without a, with a thought. So he's not a planeswalker. He's just a very powerful dragon. But, okay. he, but he is kind of stuck on Grixis right now. Maybe he wants to learn how to planeswalk so he can return to Bant and finish what he started. 
right. just maybe just because he's like a petty crazy dragon or maybe he actually wants to go somewhere else and wants to you know maybe he just wants <laughs> that ability who knows dragons are notoriously greedy uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like what i imagine is like a ivory city like inlaid with gold guarded by <laughs> angels he's yeah, yeah. probably got a few things that he wants to go get just just salivating imagine someone who's just really into fossil fuel kidnapping david blaine so they could just figure out his magic yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> torturing right. him how'd you make the two appear on the top yeah yeah <laughs> i must i must know how are you standing at one end of the stage, then suddenly appeared at the other end? If you discover the secrets of teleportation, you'll ruin the automobile industry, damn it. Uh, Jesus. Uh, so such a villain would, of course, be a point of contact for the ever bigger fish, Nicol Bolas. Um, oh, yeah. He's so- probably got a Rolodex full of evil dragons that he's just like hitting up every once in a while to check in what they're fucking up. Yeah, so long-time listeners will know Nico Bolas is the magnetic dragon. Uh, <laughs> I think Jamie also believes that he's a magnetic dragon because that's how he always refers to him. Um, yeah. uh, Pete, why don't you tell us what you remember about Nico Bolas? Oh, so little. I remember he's like the main antagonist for Liliana Vess, I think. She wanted to go and kill him because I he ruined her life in some capacity but he's like wildly powerful he's a planeswalking dragon and i think all he wants to do is just go places and conquer them that's like his motivation yeah pretty much um you basically nailed it liliana works for him for a good while um like she's she's enslaved by him and then she ends up joining the gatewatch and he's he's the main villain in magic the gathering canon right now it used right. to be it used to be yogmoth yogmoth was eventually defeated uh, the main protagonist used to be, you know, Urza and Karn and all those guys. They they kind of got sunsetted a little bit. Um, and Karn's the Marari now or something? Yeah, uh, Karn created the Marari. Um, right. Urza became just a floating head, so, you know, not as interesting a protagonist all of a sudden. Um, and <laughs> and the, the Gatewatch is kind of the, the new protagonist, the new kids on the block. So he's, he's the, yeah. the major villain right now. Um, so he does end up contacting uh malfagor when when he's there and he seems to have some plan for the plane uh so sometime after the mending of dominaria which we have talked about before is where jessica sealed the last major rift in otaria and indirectly the multiverse um we did like a four or five parter on dominaria uh if, yeah. if anybody wants to go listen to it it dominaria is the central plane in magic the gathering so all mana flows through it so when it got fucked up it fucked up mana for every everywhere else uh, so there's like ley lines of magic or whatever that run through the entire place, right? Yeah, run through the multiverse, and they most yeah. of them, like 99% of them, pass through Dominaria. Dominaria okay. is just super rich in magic, basically. Right. Uh, the, and that's why so many planeswalkers are from Dominaria, just because so much runs through it. Uh, yeah. So sometime after after that, after the Jessica storyline, Bolas contacts Malfagor, persuades him to prepare an army to invade the neighboring shards after the coming conflicts. He's after something. We won't get into what he's after right now. You just need to know that this is the motivation for Malfagor to be invading Bant, which is what Elspeth wants to find out, right? right. He's wildly powerful, but is currently taking orders from an even more powerful dragon, yeah, basically. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, like, if he wants to learn how to planeswalk, then, you know, maybe Nick Obolas is promised, like, dangling that as a carrot on a stick in front of him. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll show you. Just, you know, invade these these other planes and fetch for me. Torture these, these planeswalkers and tie ropes to them. They'll just drag you right through. Yeah. And if he recruits three other dragons, he could be a more powerful dragon. 
if they were just three other dragons, they could like be a more. Plainsy scheme. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah basically. Uh, so Malfagor performs his duties admirably. He leads a troop across the Shard of Esper. Um, Esper is ruled by sphinxes instead of angels. Um, cool. Sphinxes are, are are a very blue aspected creature in Magic: The Gathering because they're uh, insanely intelligent. The riddle of the sphinx and all that. Uh, so he wipes out uh, in his in his process of traveling across Esper. He wipes out nearly every sphinx, uh, just sparing one named Sharum. Uh, before reaching Bant and staging his assault in an effort to activate an artifact known as the Obelisk of Bant that Bolas needs to accomplish whatever dire plan he has in mind. But that's something that we'll that's something that we'll talk about on a future episode. More of the more of the Bolas stuff. The Sphinxes like as a race are like printed on the cards. They're like the regular Sphinx that we're imagining. Big yep. head, no nose, yep. chubby little lion body. Lion body, wings, and a human face. Okay. Okay. That's essentially it. Uh, so, hearing of where Malfagor was headed, Elspeth led an army there to meet him. The battle at Giltspire Castle was ferocious, but with Elspeth and Rafik leading the forces of Bant, they were ultimately victorious, managing to outright kill Malfagor and effectively ending Bant's involvement in the Conflux War. Oh, shit. Okay. It's true, because he's not a planeswalker. He, despite being a demon and dragon, is still outmatched, right? Yeah, I mean, she's got an army. It's I think it's more protagonist powers than anything. Like a, a regular oh. dragon can absolutely kill a planeswalker. You know, um, oh, okay. you know, pretty much any kind of creature could, in theory, kill a planeswalker. It's just like, oh, do you catch them sleeping? Do you catch them at a bad time? You know, they're having a bad day, something right. like that. How did they be? Was it like on an octagon, and she grabbed them by the tail and like swung them around, and yeah. then? Shot him into the big bomb yeah, over a, and over again. Yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> there, was, there, was, there was bombs at the edge of the of the octagon, and she had to okay. throw them into those essentially. So okay. long, gay Malfagor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe that's the title of the episode, huh? <laughs> uh, Take a note. <laughs> yeah, so uh, she she beats him, uh, and and that's kind of the end of of Bant's involvement in in the conflicts war, as I said. Uh, there's still battles waging on uh, on other shards for other things. Uh, whether or not the obelisk is activated, we can talk about later. What the obelisk is, we can talk about later. Um, but despite how ferociously, excuse me, Elspeth had fought for Bant, she couldn't shake the feeling that this was not her world and that it never could be. Um, maybe it was just you know getting triggered seeing her home of of order and and peace kind of being afflicted by these these dark presences these death aspected presences uh just kind of fucks her up a bit and she's like the other mana on this plane other peoples who are now like i guess there's probably refugees of grixis who are like in the army and now they're just like well we're just gonna set up shop here um there's more direct access between the shards now as the conflux grows stronger and stronger so people are kind of just like exodusing because there's people who have been living on bant this death aspected shard for like presumably decades and are like, well, that place sucks, and we just got here, and you guys got fucking angels and bird people, and it's all, like, golden and beautiful ivory towers all the time, so we're going to move here. And Elspeth is like, ugh, fucking immigrants. I got to get out of here. This just isn't doing it for me. Showing up with their black-ass pets and bindles over their shoulders, just, like, showing up on trains and shit. Yeah. Um, uh, so it was no longer the plane that she had come to cherish, and she's like, you know what? I think it's uh, I think it's time to me for me to be wrapping up my own white aspected bindle and be heading on out of here, huh? Uh, she uh, with a heavy heart, she planes walks away. Um, oh, 
And she shows up in a Phyrexian horror cell right by accident. Yeah, that's and, oh, wouldn't that be the worst? This one has an anti, <laughs> anti-planeswalking anti field, you fool. Uh, yeah, the kryptonite. <laughs> uh, so she jumps around for a time again. Um, she eventually does make her way to a place she had spent a small amount of time of. Remember, she was kind of jumping around after landing on Theros. Uh, oh, yeah. One place that she had spent a bit of time on uh, at was a, a city in Dominaria. Uh, when she had been searching for her home before finding Bant, she had visited this place called Urborg. Urborg was the terrible per- name. Perfect place. <laughs> Urborg it's was the, the slug capital of the plains. <laughs> Urborg. Urborg. <laughs> Welcome to the slug capital of Dominaria. Uh, <laughs> it was. It was actually the perfect place for her to let all her emo moods out. Uh, a large tropical and particularly marshy or swampy isle. Urborg is one of the more prominent burning isles of Dominaria, a plane familiar to us, like I said. Um, It's known for being one of the regions with the most concentrated amounts of black mana on Dominaria. So, uh, Uh like I said, you know, where where a planeswalker is uh, emotionally and and personality-wise, kind of aspects how their magic uh, works. And it seems kind of like a feedback loop. Maybe the more you use black magic, the more emo you get. And the more emo you are, the more black magic you use. Um, it's, okay. it, it's hard to tell. So she, she ends up here, uh, in this intensely black area of Dominaria and the more powerful witches and necromancers uh, of the area are constantly in a struggle for control over the Island. Uh, but now, she... sorry, just regarding black mana, it's not necessarily evil, right? It just happens to be death themed. Yeah. Not evil, but death and death is, is very often evil, right? Yeah, um, it's also just like gloomy in general. It's swamps, it's decay, it's rot, it's entropy. You know, uh, all all those yeah. good good things. It all smells like damp wood all the time. It's probably <laughs> horrible, frankly. Yeah. Uh, she's not interested in vying with witches and necromancers for control of the island. Uh, the environment suited her mood, and to make enough money to eat, she did everybody's favorite activity uh, when in Dominaria. Apparently, um, drain the swamp. Uh, fight in the arena. That's exactly it. So also maybe because she's pretty pissed off, but she decides to uh, fight in gladiatorial pits, just like uh, somebody else that we've talked about in the past. Uh, go listen yeah. to our Jessica episodes if you want to hear more. Oh, drain the swamp. Sorry, that that went right over my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so she she's misusing her her training as a knight in, in these in these pits. Obviously, she's going against a code to only fight to protect the, the those in need, kind of thing. Uh, but she's like, uh, fuck it, because it helps me win. They made me good with a sword, you know? Yeah, she's she's on her, like, like middle-aged white lady eat, pray, love spirit quest anyway, so she can do whatever the fuck she wants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's she's pretty emo. She's like 20, she's like mid-20s at this point, so still, still, uh, still young enough to be emo, I'll say. Okay, okay. Uh, eventually, she finds her, she's, she's doing really well in the gladiatorial pits, but eventually she finds herself face-to-face with another planeswalker, a red-aligned human from the plane of Mirrodin. Uh, so she's been making short work of all these enemies with her night training and with her planeswalker abilities and until one day she finds herself against this other planeswalker human, uh, someone known as Koth of the Hammer. Uh, he was, uh, Koth was a particularly powerful geomancer, which is a type of magic capable of moving mountains, shattering stone and melting iron. What was way more remarkable about her fight with Koth, however, was who was in attendance. So, they're fighting. They're battling. 
<laughs> Nico Bolas in a trench coat and a hat with a mustache. Just like fucking a hundred feet tall, just like towering <laughs> over the, the bleachers, like <laughs> sitting in a normal sized chair though, like really like all scrunched up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, not Nico Bolas in attendance, but they're fighting. They're going toe-to-toe when, uh, in the heat of the fight, Koth actually catches sight of a familiar face in the stands, which distracted him enough that Elspeth was able to land a powerful blow. A blow powerful enough to reveal a mark branded on Koth's arm. It was a circle with a vertical line slashed through it. That's the mark of Phyrexia. Uh, oh, no. was he a Phyrexian or he he an ex support animal? So he uh, he's not an ex support animal. Um, she doesn't recognize him. He's not from her plane. Um, okay, but she's she's fighting him and she she lands a blow to his arm and you know she doesn't know why he's here. I guess, but she lands a blow to his arm uh, and it, it reveals this mark, this glowing mark of Phyrexia on his arm. Okay, uh, Elspeth's battle rage turned to fury. She descended on Koth with renewed intensity, convinced she must destroy him utterly. Uh, she likely would have succeeded had it not been for the figure in the audience who had distracted Koth. Descending from the stands, he intervened, managing to place himself between the two. Elspeth found herself looking at an old friend, a Johnny Goldmane, the Leonin from Naya who had crashed down upon Bant what seemed like an eternity ago. Um, Is his name actually Johnny Goldmane? Uh, Johnny, yeah. Okay. A- it's not a, a- it's not an itemized list of you've got a Johnny, uh, who's Johnny. just one of the, one of the Johnnies. It's a Johnny. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. And Johnny. <laughs> you have you have uh, a Johnny, B Johnny, C Johnny, D Johnny, E Johnny. Okay. Yeah. Johnny. Yeah. Although Johnny Goldmane is a really good Cartoon Network show that I really recommend. It's this yeah. Ryan guy who hangs out with a little girl. All he wants to do is get his rocks off. You know, it's all crazy. Lives with his mother. <laughs> Um, it sounds like a generic term for the Leonin. Oh, there's a Johnny Goldmane over there, you know? like. <laughs> well, yeah. Johnny Goldmane walking in, um, into my shop? I don't Walking into my plane? I don't think so, huh? This is for Angels yeah, I... and Birds over here. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, Elspeth is fighting this guy. He sees a Johnny in, the, in this, the audience, and that's what distracts him long enough because he recognizes a Johnny. Um, Elspeth manages to land the blow, is about to, to kill Koth, and a Johnny steps in and stops her. And that's where we'll pick up. Or maybe not pick up next time, but we'll we'll get back there uh, the next time we talk about Magic the Gathering. Cool. Oh, shit, okay. Lots of death pits in this whole magic thing. Lots of death pits on Dominaria, <laughs> apparently. It's I easy guess. to make money. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're a planeswalker, and I guess there's lots of planeswalkers on uh, Dominaria, so... yeah. Good money for for it's like people. driving into Uber. It's just like something you can do in your spare time to make some cash. Yeah, it kind of feels <laughs> like kind of feels like planeswalkers are like the the quote unquote gifted kids who are just given too much attention as kids, and they were just like, oh, uh, you're super special, you can do anything. So then they grow up not knowing what the fuck they want to do and having no real skills. So they're just like, ah, I guess I'll use my magic to fight in blood pits. <laughs> wow, that's great. So uh, you've got Koth, Koth of the Hammer, a Johnny Goldman. And Something Elspeth, to do yeah. with Phyrexia, a Johnny Goldmane mm-hmm. moved out of his mom's house and knows. Is, is uh, Koth like the dweeby guy that's friends with Johnny Bravo? <laughs> <laughs> I can send you. I can send you a picture of Koth of the Hammer. Okay. Actually. he's he, he looks pretty cool. He's got like like rock dreadlocks almost. Um, Maybe he just listened to Phyrexian bands when he was in high school, and he got the brand because he thought it was cool. Yeah, and exactly. Now he's not so into it. You didn't anymore. know what it meant, you know. Yeah, gotta get it covered up now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Let's see if this works or if it's going to send it to you guys. Super compressed. Uh, in the meantime, thank you everybody for listening. Um, we've been we've been the lore boys. We still are. Uh, if you like the show, please tell your friends, guys. Leave us a review. Uh, we super appreciate it. If you want to get in touch with us and suggest an episode or leave a friendly message, you could do so by emailing contact at loreboys.com. Uh, we're actually, because we've been getting uh, a, more and more emails these days because we read them on air, we're actually going to save them up for a mailbag episode. So uh, this is our, our call to action to you guys to please send in your emails if you're thinking about doing it. Uh, we're planning a mailbag episode pretty soon where we're just going to get uh, egregiously drunk and read all your emails <laughs> and react to them, essentially. I mean, it's a great. I mean we're going we're gonna to use lots of magic, uh, is what I meant to say. Yeah. Uh, sponsors, <laughs> if, you never, if you're listening. <laughs> if you never sent in an email, it's a perfect time to do it because we're saving up a big bunch of them just to, like Ethan said, get silly and read them. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it'll probably How could they find that email if they wanted to? Well, I did just say it, but I'll say it again. Contact at loreboys.com. Um, okay. or loreboyspodcast at gmail.com they're the same email they go to the same inbox so uh, either of those yeah. will work uh, you can also find us they're on right Twitter to the garbage <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you can also find us on Twitter at loreboys on Instagram at loreboyspodcast on Facebook at loreboys on the, and on the web at loreboys.com where all our contact info is uh, if you go loreboys.com slash about you can find all those links and, and more you can find the links to our say discord server loreboys.com slash about click the discord link and you guys will be able to come join and, and chat with us we post dumb memes and we have good conversations with you guys uh, there's a Patreon exclusive yeah. uh, channel there for our patrons and, and thanks so much to our patrons we have a new patron this week and we're going to give him a shout out uh, his name is Matt Vert or Matthew Vert or Matthew Vare. Not sure how to pronounce it, but uh, big ups to you, dude. Thanks for he's the, either yeah. he's either a skateboarder or a French artist. We haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, do you guys have anything that you want to plug? Anything you want to share? Anything you want to shout out? Any uh, the only anything, real anything? thing that's uh, always good is like uh, we do have a merch store. It's uh, tpublic.com. You can find it, of course, loreboys.com/about. Um, if you want to see something on merch, whether you intend to buy it or not, please let us know. It's easy to whip up. I saved all the files. Yeah, something something that Peter drew. You can't just like send us, you know somebody else's oh, work yeah. and say could i could you guys put this on a, a picture a picture of my uh, of your own face and just like can i buy this off you guys like, that's a weird <laughs> request man <laughs> although we'd probably we'd probably accommodate that that much at least well, probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's free real estate yeah just uh, get in the discord oh, that's where we hang out the most uh we have the good combos like ethan said um sometimes i even play games with the with the viewers i know um with uh dark side bunny uh we played some world of warcraft alongside each other we didn't meet up in the world but we, we oh, were yeah. both playing at the same time and talking in game so that's that's how you do world of warcraft on discord right like you just grind your own quests and, and chat yeah. with people <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> also uh thank you all like generally for the support uh jamie sent us a message like in our private boys chat uh that this time last year we were at fifty thousand total downloads and we are at like 140 now but we can't see our spotify stats anymore so like we more than doubled everything so thank you all very much for for all of that and just like you know it's great. It's it's so much fun, and thank you for the support. It's so cool. You guys are so cool, and we love you, and we want to kiss you, but only in a consensual way. Uh, finally, <laughs> kiss if, like these guys try and kiss me. It's yeah. never consensual. <laughs> if, if you guys want to support us financially in a consensual way, uh, you can always head to patreon.com slash the lore boys. We'll 
give you a thank you on air if we can remember to do so. We'll post a poll <laughs> for you to vote on if we can remember to do so. We'll do all sorts of wonderful things for you guys if we can remember to do so. And if we're not remembering to do so, feel free to just poke us and be like, hey, I want this thing that you promised me. Uh, and we'll, yeah. do our, we'll do our best to accommodate. Uh, if you do 169 episodes and didn't realize that we're a bunch of fucking idiots, then yeah, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it's been a big week at uh, Lore Boys Prime, the alternative that we have for Patreon. Uh, where you guys can support us directly without having to go through a middleman. Uh, obviously, Jamie, uh, Jamie, Peter, and I are all working on our puberty. We're trying to get through it. Um, we're trying to make it a little more magical, a m- little more like Magic the Gathering, because puberty so far for me has been a lot of acne, a lot of uh, growing pains. Um, what, what's, what's been your biggest gripe about uh, late-stage puberty, James? It's probably the crying Okay, yeah, you have been crying a lot. Uh, this is going to be a very heavily edited episode because Jamie keeps crying every time we talk about <laughs> somebody dying or getting upset or hurting. Or... Audacity is pretty cool because you just record a sample of me weeping and it'll take it out of the whole track yeah. a lot of the time. So. Uh, uh, we, ha- <laughs> we, have about, we have about 15 minutes before we actually started the episode of him just weeping uncontrollably. Uh, yeah, I just left yeah. the mic on, so we're just going to sample that as much as we need to. <laughs> and he's on push to talk too, so it's like he wanted us to hear him cry, clearly. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Definitely did. I stuck a quarter in there so you guys could hear for a few minutes. And Pete, what's your? Uh, I guess what's your favorite part about uh, late stage puberty so far? Oh, it's definitely my nipples sweating at night. It's oh, awesome. That, that's awesome. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, you wake up with uh, you have those wet dreams and your nipples end up all wet during the night. Yeah, yeah. The labels peeled off of my uh, my pills, so I'm not really sure who they're intended for. But I mean, they make my nipples <laughs> wet. So whatever. Uh, yeah so we've been having a time over here at the lower boys prime studios uh we haven't been able to get a lot of things together but we do have uh bindles full of our some of our favorite things so i've i've shaved off some of my pimples and and popped some of the bigger ones into my bindle uh jamie has been crying into his and peter has been uh dripping all his nipple sweat into his bindle don't don't worry they're plastic lined so you won't use lose any of that that juicy juicy scent so for 24.99 a month we will send you guys personalized uh, magic bindles of our magic puberty that we're going through right now. Uh, so make sure not to sleep on this because it's a limited time offer. Puberty doesn't last forever. So for anyone listening, going through their own puberty, rest assured, it doesn't last forever. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that that finally would constitute a lore boys. Lore boys. Lore boys. Out. 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 catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 